In days of yore, when English knights went out in conquest and rescued fair maidens, there was a fearsome warrior from Scotland, Ian the Bold, or maybe the Bold. But we won't pursue this story any further because there's a great deal of mythology in some stories like that. But not in the reading that Liz brought us from Luke. One of the things that really strikes me in that reading is the detail. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor, Herod, Tetrarch, Philip, Lysanias, the high priests are mentioned. This is not mythology. This is careful reporting. This is Luke speaking about events and people and placing John the Baptist in that context. I don't think Levison would have had any problem with Luke. Luke is looking at his sources and he's telling it as it was. And one of the really important things, I think, for us today, and it's already come out in our service, is God isn't at work in some mythological way that's apart from our real lives. God is at work in all that it means to be alive today and to be here in this community, in this country, in the world as we have it. John the Baptist uh, is certainly a striking character uh, with his camel hair coat long before that became trendy uh, and his uh, diet of locusts and wild honey. What's the wild honey? I'm not quite sure. And, and the amazing marketing techniques to get as far away from the people as possible and then hope that somehow they'll hear about you. And they did. They went out into the desert, out into the wilderness. The crowds came. Matthew says that the people were flocking from across the region to hear this unknown person. Those other names in the story, of course, people said, yeah, we know them. Uh, we suffer from them. But here's an unknown person. So what did he have? He didn't have the political power. He didn't wield economic levers of power. What did he have? He had spiritual power. He had the word of God. He had the presence of God when people met him. And so on the second Sunday of Advent, as we think about John the Baptist, we think about the prophets, about God speaking. That's one of the key things when we think about what is a prophet. A prophet is listening to God, hearing God, speaking out God's word. And John himself was fulfilling prophecies from the past. So going back into the Old Testament, you've got these same people, people speaking God's word. Our Old Testament reading that Liz brought us, Malachi. Malachi is really a person who points. He points forward. In uh, the Old Testament reading, he is speaking about someone who is coming to prepare the way for the Lord. So Malachi is preparing, but he's also talking about somebody else who's preparing, which is John the Baptist, and Jesus is the one who is 
the subject of all this preparation. So, what does this say to me? It says to me something that I think is really important for us as a church just at this time, that God's a God of movement. God is saying one thing, and that leads to another thing, and that leads to another thing. So it isn't that God is some kind of static God, closed in and immovable, but rather through the people that he calls and through all of us, he's at work in terms of what he is going to do in the future as well as what he's done in the past and what he does now. So Malachi was that kind of person. And I just want to encourage all of us in this time of Advent to be open to God speaking. God speaking into our lives, into our community. It's very important that we should be listening to him. One unique experience I had uh, when Janice and I lived in Bromley uh, was one Sunday morning we were in our uh, Baptist congregation and it was uh, a congregation that met down the road from the Anglican church. And uh, I was leading the service and somehow our machinery uh, had got onto the wavelength of the Anglican church. So fortunately, uh, the Anglican vicar and I, Peter, were, were very good friends. Um, but it was a bit of a shock when my voice started booming in a time of quiet reflection in the Anglican church right through the whole of this uh, congregation. And uh, so a messenger was sent down to the Baptist church to say, turn off your machinery. Uh, we can't do our proper Anglican worship. Uh, it wasn't, they didn't say it like that. Um, uh, but what Peter did say uh, to the congregation was, it's not often that God speaks to us directly in our service. <laughs> but that's uh, not something I would particularly recommend. But what I would recommend uh, is that we recognize there are many different ways in which God speaks. He speaks as we read the scriptures for ourselves. He speaks in our prayer time. Uh, he speaks as we hear uh, people speaking to us in scripture. He speaks uh, to us as we take the bread and the wine. And there have been times um, when I've known how God has spoken very distinctly into a situation that, uh, that I was in. I think about when I was coming to a point of thinking at the end of the first ministry that I was in after I was ordained that maybe it was time to, to move on to another ministry. And I asked some people, I was very happy what I was doing, but I asked some people to pray with me about this um, possible move. And uh, we had some prayer with a trusted group of people. And very unexpectedly, one of them said, um, I see you, Ian, in this prayer time uh, as um, a straight stick. And uh, so we weren't quite sure what this meant. Um, but somebody else said, yeah, uh, this is actually, in, in my understanding of it, a walking stick. And you are bearing weight. as a, you're, you know, you're this walking stick. Um, but they said, it's not a walking stick for an old person. It's a walking stick for an injured person. Uh, and this stick will not be needed after uh, a little while because the person will recover. And the rather remarkable thing was the invitation I had to uh, help in a church uh, was a church that had been wounded. And uh, so it was a time of just helping this church. And I wasn't actually there very long because uh, Spurgeon's College in London then asked me if I would go to be 
uh, a tutor there. And if I hadn't had that sense of God having spoken in this way, I would have thought, what does this all mean? And should I be going to Spurgeon's College after having been a short time in, in a church? And these would have been real questions. But, but God speaks, and he assures us of his purposes. And we need to really uh, get hold of that, I think. So what was the message that uh, Malachi and then John spoke? Well, it's not exactly the most Christmassy sort of message. It's a message about uh, what I call an Advent scrub down. Uh, and uh, what Malachi says is, who's going to be able to stand when this refiner's fire comes and this launderer's soap? And the fire, of course, is uh, a white-hot blaze uh, with the, the metals that uh, then have their impurities brought to the surface. But the launderer's soap is really strong soap. It is not the kind of soap you would give at Christmas. This is the kind of soap that I would like to have uh, at Christmas just to enjoy a bit of pampering. Uh, you see, ladies, I've got my feminine side. Uh, I'm in touch. Uh, and uh, I <laughs> Peter, I didn't know you cared so much. Uh, is this being recorded? <laughs> Uh, so it's not really the pampering soap, um, lovely as that is, but it is uh, more like this. It's more like uh, the caustic detergent uh, that is, is coming when we uh, hear this message of, of John the Baptist. It's cleaning things out. And this isn't because uh, God dislikes us, but actually it's because he loves us so much, as, as Beth was saying last week. Uh, he embraces us in his love, not waiting to see if we're going to clean ourselves up first, but once he embraces us, then he cleans us up. He wants us to be changed. And I think that's a powerful message too in this time of Advent. A message of change. As John said, a message of baptism, of cleansing, of forgiveness. Wasn't that great to hear uh, on the video from the weekend about forgiveness, you know, those powerful messages with young people. Uh, that's fantastic. So this message, cleaning out, that's what forgiveness does. It cleans us out and it cleans other people out. It cleans out relationships that have got muddy, that have got horrible, and you're clean. You can think about this probably in, in your jobs, how... Things get cluttered up, don't they, at times, in your office space or whatever, and just to clean out. Uh, I do writing projects, and sometimes they go around other people who edit things, and, or I get stuff to edit. And uh, you know what happens now with editing? You get all these balloons that appear at the side uh, because somebody says it should be this and not this, and there's arrows that you've got to see where your stuff has got to be changed and so on. And it just gets, from my point point of view, so messy. And then somebody says, or I say, we'll produce a clean copy. Ah, oh, fantastic, a clean copy. Get rid of all uh, that stuff that's been uh, accumulated. And whatever picture works for you, think about that cleaning out, because that's what John the Baptist was saying. Declutter, clean up. That's real joy. It's not uh, something that makes us miserable. And part of this word from John in the wilderness also came from another prophet, Isaiah. And these are very famous words, aren't they? Uh, prepare the way of the Lord. And Isaiah 
This other prophet was speaking at a time when the people of Israel were in exile. It was a difficult time. They were in a place where a wilderness, a desert place, separated them from their own home where they wanted to be. And Isaiah is saying, God is going to do things in this wilderness experience. He's going to be with you in this difficult time. And it's amazing this theme of the wilderness actually in the Bible. Uh, This wilderness of the people of Israel. John was in the wilderness. He was in the desert. That's where God met him and spoke through him, spoke to him. Jesus was in the wilderness, wasn't he? The 40 days of of temptation. Uh, Jesus met God there. God spoke to Jesus and spoke through Jesus. And today, what's our wilderness where God can speak? What's the dry place, the desert place, the thing inside us or around us or in our family? Uh, God wants to speak. He wants to speak a word of comfort. That's what Isaiah was speaking. Comfort and encouragement. God changes some of the things that seem so high and so insurmountable, the mountain places, or the things that seem so deep and so dark, the valley. God changes that situation. God speaks. So, what does this have to say to us? We've a way to make in the future in Camborne Church in the next few months. And uh, that way, that pathway, is God's pathway. It's not our pathway. It's not Peter's or Emma's or mine. It is God's. And that pathway is one that he calls us to walk along with hope in our hearts, the Advent hope. This is the beginning of the Christian year. So it is a time of beginning. And let us see in this time what God is going to do. Camborne itself is a community that has grown and developed this map. I'm not sure when it was produced, but it shows things that at the time it was produced and still now don't yet exist. Uh, And so there's a way, isn't there? Different roads, different places that have emerged, that are emerging. But it's not just about our community around us in Camborne. It is about our hearts, God making a way in our hearts. And so let's stay with this for a moment as we finish. To see the way that demands us to cooperate with God. It's right to think it's God's way, but he calls us, each one of us, uh, to be part of making a way. And so great things have been done, and we give thanks, and we pray, God, guide, God, have your way in our hearts, in our community in all that we do. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.